welcome to another edition of Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach. I'm your host, Chris Riley. Today, we're joined by a gentleman who had the pleasure of playing both for the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees in his baseball career. You can currently catch him calling games on the Yes Network for the Yankees. We welcome to the show, John Flaherty. Thank you very much, Chris. Happy to be here. So let's go back to when you first started playing sports. How old were you? Did mom and dad get you involved in all different types of sports growing up as a kid? Yeah, so uh, my first memory is playing stickball, believe it or not, in my backyard with my older brother. And we would set up a wheelbarrow and had a pitcher's mound back there. And it was just one-on-one, me against my older brother, who was two years older than me. And then obviously that turned into uh, playing Little League, uh, the West Nyack Little League in Rockland County, New York. And then uh, played all three sports, played uh, basketball, played football, loved them all. And I I always tell people I feel like baseball chose me more than I chose baseball. As I got older, uh, I realized the other sports, uh, everybody was passing me by, but in baseball, uh, I was excelling a little bit. So uh, my junior year of high school, I just concentrated year-round on baseball. Growing up, though, one thing today, everyone specializes in sports right away from the time they're five and six years old, which a lot of people like myself who've coached and you probably don't look at that as a really good idea. How did that development help you playing other sports growing up? Well, I just, you know, I I think I wasn't overwhelmed with baseball year round, you know, and to be honest with you, playing, playing on the East Coast, you know, we didn't get, you know, maybe 20, 25 high school games, right? You you, you didn't get the overwhelming amount of competition. So by the time I got to pro ball and minor league ball, where I was exposed to, you know, in playing a full season and training all year, I loved it. I I couldn't wait to, to get into it full time. Uh, I think if I would have done that when I was younger, you know, 10 years old and been playing baseball year round, I would have been burnt out. Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to work at it as much as I did when I got to uh, to be 20. Oh, you just locked up on me. You know, known as a good defender, I, I wasn't much of an offensive player, but I love playing defense and. You know, football, the, the five days a week to play, to practice, to play one game a week didn't sit well with me. I, I like the games, you know, I like the, the winning, losing. I, I like that, uh, that everyday aspect of baseball. So, like I said, I think baseball just kind of chose me more than I chose it. So when you were like 12 or 13 years old, were you looking at the high schools? Like what, what made you choose St. Joe's? You went to St. Joe's in Montville, New Jersey. What made you make the decision to, to go the parochial private route and not say in the public schools? Well, that, that was my parents' decision. Uh, you know, I grew up in, a, in an Irish Catholic household, uh, mm-hmm. and the Catholic education was very important to my mom and dad. So I pretty much had two choices. I was going to go to Albertus Magnus High School in Rockland County, which was a co-ed uh, Catholic high school, or St. Joe's, which was an all-boys high school in Montvale, New Jersey. And to be quite honest with you, I have people tell me all the time, you were recruited to play baseball. They gave you a scholarship. They, no, no, they didn't. They, they didn't know who I was when I went there. And the only reason I went there, to be quite honest with you, is uh, I, I went to St. Anthony's Elementary School in, in Nanuet, New York. And all of my buddies were going to St. Joe's. It was just one of those years where uh, St. Joe's had a great recruiting class. And, uh, you know, there were a bunch of us who were going there instead of Albertus Magnus. And I think the freshman class at Albertus would have been 50 boys, which, listen, if you're at 50. You just locked up again. Hold on, John. 
St. Joe's was probably going to be a better fit. And I wasn't recruited. I didn't get a scholarship. I went there like everybody else. And it turned out to be a perfect place for me to go to high school. Now, you're going to play baseball at the school. And it's, it's noted for sports. <clears throat> you know, the hockey team, everything is, is very good there. Football is very yep. good there. Uh, it has a reputation of, of producing graduates who are very successful athletically. Um, was it a big step up? Was it your first time realizing that, oh, my gosh, these guys, everybody here is good? There's like there's not like a couple of good guys and there's a couple of everybody else. Everybody here is good. I mean, did you have to elevate your game? Did you have to work a little harder than everybody else you knew? Because you're going up against really good competition now. Yeah, I just think it was, Chris, it was the land of the unknown. I had no idea how I was going to fit in there. And I, I remember trying out for the freshman baseball team and there were over 100 kids trying out for this team, right? And you're looking around like, wow, that, that kid's good. That kid's good. And to tell you the truth, I split time on the freshman team. You know, I didn't play all the time. Uh, and it was my sophomore year where I tried out for the varsity team where I, I finally felt like, okay, I, I'm ready to go. I made the team. I was a starting catcher. Uh, and that was the first time that I said, okay, I, I belong here. I'm ready. And uh, I had three great years on the varsity program. But, no, I, I, I had no idea if I could fit in. I had no idea if I could play at that level. And to tell you the truth, that was a common theme through the rest of my baseball career. Every step that I went to, I had no idea, right? But you got you to gotta dive in head first and figure out if you can do it. And uh, I was able to do it for a long time. Balancing academics in high school <clears throat> as well as athletics, did you have to learn that pretty quickly? Because it's not like the school's in your town. You're getting on a bus, probably going early in the morning, yeah. coming home late in the evening, or somebody's taking you to drive you home. Talk a little bit about the the balancing of, of, you know, the sports and the athletics. A lot of kids, I don't think, really grasp that today. You know, they think it's all about sports and they don't really understand. There's a whole other, you know, element that coaches are looking at. You know, it's, it's a complete person in a way. Absolutely. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the academic part of it was a common theme. I, I struggled academically at St. Joe's. Um, they were very good at putting you in like a phasing system. You know, obviously, if you were – academically gifted, they would find a phase that would really challenge you. And, and I was challenged at St. Joe's and I, I was challenged at the next level, George Washington University, you know, so the challenges were on the athletic field playing baseball, but the challenges of being a student athlete from high school to college were um, a full-time job, a full-time <laughs> job. And uh, the, the easy part of the job was playing baseball. The tough part of the job was uh, the academic part because it didn't come as easy to me academically as it did uh, out on the baseball field. So it was a, it was a big challenge. So now you, you, you finished your three years at St. Joe's. Were you getting any looks from colleges when you were coming along? Were you getting looks from like maybe even like being drafted? I mean, because that St. Joe's is noted for having young men come out and get drafted. I mean, or were you just like, I'm going to hope to gosh to get into some school, go play baseball, like much like myself, you know, all these, all these guys, you don't, really don't know, you know, I mean, was that something you were looking at? Were you looking at other schools and, what made you ultimately choose George Washington? What was the reasoning behind that? Great question. And, uh, you know, when I was playing at St. Joe's, my number one goal was to play in college and have my parents not have to pay for it, right? I had a, an older sister at Fairfield, an older brother at Siena, and I had a younger brother coming behind me. So I'm like, if I could, if I could help this out for, uh, for my old man, then I got to find a place where they were going to pay for my school. 
I was very lucky, and, and this takes us way back, Chris, right, to have a high school baseball coach by the name of Greg Carney who yep. told me, I want you to pick out 25 schools, and he wrote handwritten letters to every one of those baseball programs at the 25 schools. So what that did is it started getting some interest, right, some eyes to come watch our games. So I'm so thankful for Mr. Carney and what he did. Uh, it's such a different world today with emails and videos and all of those other things. Um, so that that created some interest. And to be quite honest with you, Wake Forest, uh, which was playing in the ACC, uh, Coach Greer came up and he offered me a full scholarship. And I was like, OK, that's where I wanted to go to school. Um, at the last minute, he cut my scholarship in half. You know, the whole we, we have somebody coming back. We forgot. And I said, you know what, that that's not going to work. And there was a, a young head coach by the name of John Cassaberry from George Washington University who actually came to see me play. And the only reason that I had any contact with GW was Eddie Blankmeyer was the assistant coach at Seton Hall, took the head coach at GW, and he was only there for about a month. But when he was there, he sent me a letter saying, hey, I want you to come down and check out the school because of him recruiting me at Seton Hall. Once I had the contact back and forth, John Castleberry, the new coach, came to see me play and offered me a scholarship. And Chris, it wasn't where I wanted to go. It really wasn't. I, I wanted to go to Wake Forest. I thought ACC baseball, this is going to be great. Uh, GW was a, a campus downtown Washington, D.C., four blocks yes. from the White House. Not what I was used to. I mentioned my sister going to Fairfield, my brother going to Siena. Those are campuses, right? Yes. And, and this was a totally different feel. Um, the excuse me, the baseball program was small. It was Division One. It was Atlantic 10. They weren't very good. But to be quite honest with you, the head coach, John Cassaberry, was this young, energetic, I'm going to build this program. I'm recruiting 13 freshmen. You're my guy. I want to build this program around you. And he sold me. And the fact that it was the only full scholarship that I was offered. And, you know, when you when you go back to your dad, you know, that's the bottom line. Right. I think <laughs> we probably both grew up in the same type of household, which was a bottom line type household. Yes. And uh, you can go to school and they're paying for your education. And you're going to play baseball and nobody else is offering that. That's where you're going. And at the end of the day, the greatest decision I ever made. Uh, John Castleberry is like a father figure still to me today. He's like a grandfather figure to my kids. And uh, the, the guys that I played at GW with were, they were the same type of guy as me. You know, we've been through so many things in our lives together, let alone the baseball field. So it was a great fit. I didn't know it at the time. At 17 years old, I had no idea. But boy, it turned out to be a great decision for me. So they always talk about the sports pyramid. As you move up in ranks, the talent pool gets really good. As we said earlier, you come to St. Joe's, talent pool is very good. Yeah. Now you're playing in college, and it shrinks dramatically as far as, like, you know, players are there. These are really good players. No one really stinks. Everybody is coming. They were probably the captain of their high school team. They were probably yeah. first team this, first team that, MVP. Did that was that big wake up call for you when you got there? Like, oh my God, I can't believe now these guys are everyone's good here. I thought everyone was good back in high school. Now everyone's really good here. The people we're going against are really good. Nobody's lousy. I mean, is that a huge wake up to you guys? 
Well, again, it was that whole, I don't know if I can do this thing, right? Like, and I, re- I remember the first team meeting at GW and we're sitting around this big table and I'm looking at everybody kind of sizing them up saying, all right, I, I'm the same size as him physically. Well, you know, you just don't know. You have no idea. And once I got out on the field, um, that, that, that was always the comfort, comfortable place for me. You know, I, I, I love to compete. I noticed right away with my GW team, all right, I I can play with these guys. And then you start going out and we would play against top 20 schools, big time programs. And to tell you the truth, um, we had a little chip on our shoulder that we were, yeah, small division one. Okay. You know, and nobody expects us to do anything. Chris, I got to tell you my freshman year, my, well, my whole time at GW, we didn't have a home field. My my first Division One <laughs> practice was on the ellip the ellipse behind the White House, right? Oh the, now God. John Casselberry, exactly. yeah, you know where I'm talking about, right? So John John Casselberry, the head coach, was not only a great baseball coach; he must have been a great salesman because he sold me on a piece of land that was by Georgetown that said, "Hey, we're building a stadium here, and I have this much money, and I'm going to bring in Miami, and I'm going to do this." And I was like, "Great, I trusted this guy." And we show up, or I show up for the first practice of Division One baseball. He's throwing bases down on the ellipse, right? <laughs> Walking off 90 feet, throwing a base down. And I said, this is crazy. But what it did, you know, people say, I can't believe you came from a program like that. What it did is it put a little chip on our shoulder that when we went to play against a top 20 school and we went to play at their beautiful stadium and their beautiful field, and we were used to practicing on the ellipse with, you know, people looking at the White House walking by, um, it made us tougher. It made us tougher. And it, and it actually, when you got out on that field, you were like a little kid. You couldn't wait to compete against these guys. So uh, he developed really good players, but he also developed players that um, that were hungry and wanted it and were ready to compete against the big boys, even though we didn't have the facilities that they did. So while you're there in school, are you getting any looks from any like scouts in the major leagues or guys showing up to take a look at you? Because I noticed in your thing, in your bio, that you played for the Harwich Mariners where I vacationed in Harwichport. Yeah. Okay, the Cape League is the elite of the elite. You're going to use yep. wooden bats. You know, you're not going to use, you know, the composites or the aluminum bats. Um, what year did you, was that sophomore year you started to, to look at yourself and say, maybe I can do this. I'm going to play in the Cape League. I mean, were you drawing interest then? Well, you know, the first time I ever heard about a pro scout coming to see me play was high school, right? And, you know, the, the, listen, there were articles that maybe I would get drafted. And, and thank goodness that didn't happen because I wouldn't have been ready. Uh, so, yeah, I had a good freshman year. And I came back home and played in the ACBL for a little bit and uh, actually hurt my knee. So didn't get a whole lot of reps. And then sophomore year, I had a down year at, at GW. And John Cassaberry, the coach that I'm talking about at GW, was the head coach at Orleans on okay. the Cape. And that was part of the recruiting spiel also. I'm going to bring you to the Cape after your sophomore year. Well, of course, I didn't have a great sophomore year. And he said, uh, you're not ready for the Cape. I'm going to send you to Front Royal, Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley League. Now, you talk about the Cape Cod League, right? The Wooden Bats, best league in the country. Uh, you're, you're by the beach. Well, I mean, what, everything about it is, is perfect. Well, the Shenandoah Valley league is a lot different. I mean, it's really, it's really good baseball, but it's 110 degrees, right? I mean, you're, 
you're in the middle of nowhere. And to be quite honest with you, that was the first time that I thought to myself, how bad do you want this? How bad? Because uh, I was li- I was living in a small house with a, a great family, but it was it was rough. And I had a great couple of months in the Valley League. I think I hit 360 and played really well. And then as you would would figure it out, the Harwich Mariners in the Cape had a catcher who had to go back to the University of Michigan for football. So they needed a catcher for the last three weeks of their season. And uh, I get a phone call, would you be willing to come from the Valley to the Cape for the last three weeks? Of course. Uh, So I went up there and played for three weeks. Again, this goes by a very common theme. No idea if I could play there. I mean, this is the best of the best with with wooden bats. And I, I came off a great summer, but you still have in the back of your mind, that was the Valley League. It's not the Cape Cod League. Can I play here? So for three weeks, I played. I hit 300. Uh, I would say it was probably the weakest and the softest 300 that you will ever see. Um, but I proved to myself that I could play at that level. I, I was catching and throwing at, at, a, at a high level. I remember Mickey Morandini, who ended up playing for the Phillies, he broke the Cape Cod stolen base record, and, and I threw him out in a playoff game where there were probably 50 scouts standing behind me. And that's when I threw him out. That was the moment I said, I think I might have a shot to get drafted next year. Um, let's see, see how it goes. So how did that really help you for your, your junior and senior year of college? How did, what did that do for you in your development mentally as well as physically? You said you, you felt like you belonged, but did that give you more confidence moving forward for your junior, senior year of college? Absolutely. Uh, it, it totally did. But the only problem was when I came home from the Cape, I took two weeks off, didn't throw a baseball, didn't swing a bat and went back to GW for the fall of my junior year. And we had a fall baseball game two days after I arrived back on campus. And I tried to throw out a base runner from George Mason and I blew my shoulder out first fall game of my junior year. After two weeks before I'd been playing in the Cape Cod league and threw out Mickey Morandini. Now I, I blew out my rotator cuff and, uh, you know, everything kind of was put on pause. I ended up having surgery at the end of the fall and I came back in the spring and to your question, the confidence was there, right? I mean, I walked out on that field knowing, okay, I'm going to dominate this year, but the physical part, my, my arm wasn't a hundred percent. Um, so my catching and my throwing was, was, was way behind. But my hitting was, you know, I walked up to the plate feeling like I'm going to get it done. And I I had a really good junior year offensively. Uh, But the physical part with the throwing and the catching was behind. So when the draft came around, you know, there were a lot of where you're going to go and what round and everybody hears it all the time. And I I slipped big time because of uh, my arm issues. Was that a big setback for you emotionally? Were you kind of like, oh, man, this may not happen now? Like, you know, you're, you're falling in the, in the in the draft pick area. You know, it, it does. It plays on guys' minds a lot. Yeah. You know, you're thinking, I, I had a great you know, time in the Cape League. Now, all of a sudden, things are not going well. How do you push through that? Well, it was a tough year all the way around, Chris. Um, my mom passed away uh, in April of that spring. Uh, she was 47 years old. So, right here, I am a junior in college. I, I think I have everything going my way. I'm going to get drafted. Uh, end up blowing out my shoulder. Uh, my mom passed away at a very young age. So I had to kind of deal with that while playing through a baseball season and trying to keep my grades up. So, 
Yeah, it was it was tough, um, you know, with the draft and baseball. But to be quite honest with you, that, that wasn't really number one on my mind. I was thinking about, you know, my, my dad back home and, you know, what, have, you know, what it was. Baseball was like, OK, fine. That's always going to be there. But it wasn't a big priority for me. So when the draft came around, it was almost like, OK, yeah, I hope I get drafted high. That would be great. Uh, that didn't happen on the first day. And then it was quickly like, yeah, forget it. I'm going to go back to uh, go back to school, go to the Cape again and go back for my senior year. And that's when everything kind of changed, you know, in the, the, the recruiting process of uh, a Boston Red Sox scout of Phil Rossi kind of picked up and uh, changed the career path of my life. We're talking here on Inside the Game brought to you by Flex Coach with John Flaherty from the Yes Network. We'll have more after this. Please join us for part two of our three-part series on one of your favorite streaming platforms.